very funnily went up to him and said, oh, Jermaine, is it? I thought it was very funny. He goes, you can call me <laughs> JJ, JJ if you want. This so the whole game I'm there, JJ, JJ. I even shortened it to J at one point. I was like, yeah. well, I scored and he didn't, so. <laughs> OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM, with Gillette, in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mo. All right, I'm uh, here in the Marker Hotel in Dublin, and uh, you'll see from the, the placards behind me in Welsh territory, you'd imagine, but uh, we are, in fact, in Dublin, not Cardiff. I'm joined by two bona fide Welsh legends, 166 appearances for Wales between them. We have uh, Neville Southall, one of the greatest goalkeepers of all time, of course. Just the 750 appearances for Everton, not bad. A couple of league titles, a couple of FA Cups as well in there, and uh, the man on the, the outside there as well, Ian Rush. 346 goals, I think it is, uh, Ian, for Liverpool. Five league titles and uh, two European Cups. Uh, you're both very welcome, lads, and uh, I suppose I wanted to start by asking... I know Neville, you're an Everton legend, but Ian, did you you grew up as an Everton supporter? Am I right in saying? Yes, that's it. I, um, I used to go and watch Everton play when I was a kid, and uh, I, remember, I remember when I was playing for Chester, and um, the manager Alan Oakes said that Everton are coming to watch you, and uh, and Gordon Lee was the manager at Everton at the time. And never forget, in them days, it was newspapers, not like social media, it was newspapers. And he said, and Virgie said, like Ian Rush was not good enough to play for Everton. And I was gutted to tell you the truth. I was gutted. Then three three months later, I signed for Liverpool, and it was in me back of my mind there. I'm I'm going to make Everton pay. I have often wondered, like, when, like say you're, you're both Welsh teammates, you were Welsh teammates, of course, throughout the 80s and, and part of the 90s, but when you're both playing for a rival, Everton and Liverpool, rival clubs in Merseyside, are you still able to kind of socialise and go out together in Liverpool, or is it a case of, jeez, you can't be seen as a toffee and a red together? What was your experience of living in the same city but uh, playing for very much rival teams now. well Rush used to go to different places from me as we fair much different True. places yeah. <laughs> no I, look I, I think I think it's just mutual respect and I would have never thought of him as an enemy I just thought of him as a, a great player and you want to play against great players in your career and the more times you played him the better it got and, and, and what I thought what was nice is we, we never really spoke about it with yeah. Wales we just whatever the score was just gone we were concentrating on Wales so yeah we didn't really have a problem with that at all one of the I suppose one of the famous games where you came up against each other was the, the 89 FA Cup final 3-2 Liverpool instant classic uh, Ian you with, you with the two mm. goals for Liverpool that day a uh, load of Irish lads on, on, I know Kevin Sheedy was on, on your own team and you had Staunton and uh, who else Whelan, Aldridge, Howden it was, it was an Irish team a lot, yeah. of, a lot of lads there and um, what was it like coming up against this guy? I mean, he made your life hell that day, particularly, but at Liverpool got over the line. But it's still one of those FA Cup finals that you can maybe look back on now and, and think, geez, what a, what a classic of a match to be involved in. Well, it wasn't really, because we lost. Uh, <laughs> maybe not for Everton fans. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. No, look, uh, we were never in the game, really, so we made a substitution. I think Stuart McCall came on. Changed the game a little bit. It was boiling hot. And to be fair, it's... It's, it's difficult when you, when, you, when you play against them because they're a good team. Do you know what I mean? And people think that it's rivalry, but it is rivalry. But if Liverpool don't have a strong Everton, they don't do as well. And if Everton don't have a strong Liverpool, they don't do as well because you need, you need that rivalry, I suppose, in the city as, as much as you need the respect. And I think respect between the two clubs. When I, we used to look at him and his team, so right, we need to match these and we need to beat these if we want to win anything because they were the best team in, well, in Europe at the time to be fair if not the world because they never used to play the Mickey Mouse world games then did they but yeah so it, I think for us it was a case of if we could beat these then we could finish above them we'd win the league and we'd win a cup 
was it was it different for you, Ian, when you're when you're through on goal and, and you're coming up against Neville, someone a goalkeeper you know so well from training with the national team? Uh, are you psychologically thinking of it any differently, or is it all just happened so fast that it, it, it's irrelevant, really? I think it just <clears throat> it just happened so fast. I think you, if you think about it, you won't score. It's as simple as that, and that's what happens. And uh, you know, I think I scored twenty eight goals against Everton nine, but I, it would have been forty eight only because of Nev. You know, because <laughs> yeah. people talk about those I scored, but I missed quite a few one on ones and all that because Nev's in goals. So people say that I would I would generally would have scored like in my forties um, against Everton, but uh, when you, when you, one on one, you, just, um, you don't think about it. You just do what's doing natural, and um, that's how you score the goals. I, I love hearing about you know sliding doors moments in footballers' careers, and I know Neville, you, like you came to football relatively late compared to compared to most people. But was it true? And I think you might have written about this before. Like you, you got a call, you got a call from Alex Ferguson just prior to them signing Peter Schmeichel, mm-hmm. uh, trying to sign you for, for Manchester United. But maybe tell us why how that didn't work out. Because again, sliding doors moments. Life could have worked out in other ways, but as it as it was, you didn't end up heading to Old Trafford. No, I, I mean I never give anybody my home number. I didn't even <laughs> want to give you the club to be fair. <laughs> and then one Sunday afternoon, I was sat in the house and the phone rang, and he said, uh, "He said, oh, Alex Ferguson here." And when he had. F- I thought, I thought it was Andy Gray messing about. So I put the phone down, and then ten minutes later, he phoned back and said, "Oh, it is Alex Ferguson." Blah blah. We're interested in this, and then. Obviously, I just said, look, you're going to have to speak to my agent, whatever. But Les Seeley told me at the time, whether it's true or not, that once I'd sat by the post in the Leeds game, he wasn't interested. Right. So it wasn't that phone call. It was the fact that I sat by the post. He didn't like, so... But tell me, you've got to do what you've got to do, haven't you? You've got to have... I mean, football's probably missing character at the minute, and characters, you know, you look at different sports that have characters, and it increases the interest, and... Maybe that's an element of it that you need more of that. That you need yeah, the, the canios of, of the world. And you can't anymore because it's there's eighty cameras around the ground. <laughs> no, and the way that society is at the moment, you can't you can't be seen to be doing anything. Do you know what I mean? Imagine if if they say anything out of line, they just get absolutely hammered. So they come out and it's the blandest thing. It's funny now because I, I watch the telly on a Sunday and that, and then on a Monday you don't read about the game. You read about what the pundits were arguing about. <laughs> Nothing about the games. It's, a, it's about what the pundits said. I'm thinking, hang on a minute, where did we switch from yeah. having look at a, a good game to having whatever Reed Keane said something to Jamie Carragher or Gary mm. Neville? <laughs> I find it quite weird. Yeah, yeah I think it, it's right. Neb's right there. I think it's, uh, you know, people say you wish you were playing football today. I don't because uh, I, had, I had a great time off the pitch as well. And that's what it's all about. And we can we can have stories to tell when we finish playing football. I think footballers today, I don't think they'll have any. And we had a laugh and a joke in the dressing room every day. I'm not sure whether you get that anymore. No. Yeah, well, and also, there's no bollockings anymore. Yeah. Because I, I know for a fact that some of the people don't like raised voices, which, which is fine in some ways. But the players we played with, some of them, would like an absolute bollock in a half time <laughs> to make a play better. So all of them people who, who want a G-up don't get a G-up because everything's flat. And, and I think if you look at football now, right, in general, it's all about telling them what they can't do. Yeah. Right? It's about you can't play this many games, you can't play this many minutes, you can't train like this, you can't do this, you can't do that. And then I think football's flatlined, and that's why you don't get characters. You don't get players like him anymore. You don't get world class. If you can name me ten world class players, you're doing well. 
Right. Well, well that, the other thing is as well, like when you look at the modern game, I mean, you, you talk about sitting beside the post, you'd have, you'd have three, or f- three and a half, four minutes to sit beside the post for VAR decisions in, in the modern yeah. game, you know, which totally different. Yeah, see, my thing is, they're not used to watching telly. Why don't they get the people off Google Box to do VAR? <laughs> right, and then they're used to watching telly, aren't they? Drawn so, lines as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then, you know, they've changed all the terminology to make it all interesting. Yeah. You know, between the lines and all that. Uh, we all play between the lines. That's what's... Yeah. It, so, oh, we play... Below, oh, he's in... And the other thing that gets right on my nerves is, oh, he's a number six, he's a number nine. What does that mean? <laughs> his nine could be different to his nine. It could be different a, a to A false number six. nine. Yeah, false yeah, nine, yeah. A yeah, false yeah, number yeah. nine. Like, you know what, What's a true what, number nine? Do you know what yeah, a false yeah. number nine is? Somebody who can't play up front and they can't play midfield. <laughs> so they've got to float around that little area and they, 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 haven't, they haven't come on name with them apart from somebody who's not very good. Yeah, so yeah. you become a false nine, so you don't do the run up front, you don't track back in midfield, you're a lo- what we would have called a luxury player, but you only put on the last ten minutes in the hope that you might get a result. But no. where, where are you getting all these numbers from? And they all talk as if it's a different language now. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I don't get it. Well, what happened to being a centre-half? You're not a centre-half, oh, you're the number four. <laughs> no offence to all the false number nines out there. Uh, no, no, take yeah. any offence. Ian, when you look at, like, and Neville's brought it up, like, when you look at the number of world-class players, maybe granted it is less than it used to be, but someone like Erling Haaland, like seeing him yeah. day, out, day in, day out in the Premier League, feels feel quite privileged as a football fan now to be able to just watch someone of, of that talent like he's like a robot oh he's, he's incredible you know the man, I think he scored 20 odd goals already <laughs> so he's uh, and he's playing in the right side as well I think the Manchester City I think if Manchester City would have signed Harry Kane last year I think Harry Kane would do exactly the same yeah no they would they've been looking for a proper uh, number nine not a false one a proper number nine yeah <laughs> and uh, but he's, he's he's a joy to watch Neville, I've read different uh, times. Like you're someone who took inspiration from from other sports and, and like you know watching whether it be boxers or, or golfers and trying to you know see how they improved balance and agility and different things. There's a great quote from you: "If I changed a hundred things and got one percent better because of it, it was worth it." Like you talk about minor kit changes, behaviour changes. For you, it seemed to be when you're a footballer, you know, sweat the small stuff essentially, and and, and, and you know improve yourself in little ways. Well, what's the idea to play football to be the best? So you have to you have to have, go through everything all the time to be the best. You, you don't, and, and that's the other thing. Now, I was allowed to do extra and extra. They, these aren't allowed to do anything extra anymore because they want to get him in. You've done an hour, you better come in because you might get tired. So I mean, I, I can't remember anybody in my career or yours mm. saying, "Oh, you look a bit tired. Probably have a have a day off this week." Cause it, I think you only get tired when you're losing, don't you? Yeah. That's, if, oh, if you're yeah. winning, you'll never get tired when no. you're winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I, th- I think it's just. If you're going to go and do a job, right, you want to be the best at it. Because somebody down the road, I always thought when I went to training, if I don't do what I want to do today, somebody down the road is going to do it and they're going to be better than me. And yeah. I don't want that. I want to be the best. And that's why I like playing against the best. Because that's the way you challenge yourself and get better by playing against the best. Well, that's a good point that you raise as well, is that, the, you know, uh, you don't probably get tired when you're, when you're winning. And, and Ian, like, one team that maybe is feeling a little bit tired at the minute is potentially Liverpool. Uh, like, granted, got the job done in their Champions League group. But, mm-hmm. And then after the City game, everyone's thinking, right, they're going to push on now, this is going to be the them. But to lose to Forest and Leeds, two teams you expect to beat any day of the week, uh, for Liverpool's yeah. team of Liverpool's calibre. Uh, how do you assess what's happening with Jurgen Klopp and that team at the minute? Well, I just think uh, they had such a, a magnificent season last season. 
you know, people expecting the same, and you're not going to get that. You know, we nearly won a quadruple. We had a great season, winning two trophies. So you, the expectations are there, and when you and I think I do think it's a matter of coming back early. They haven't had enough rest, <coughs> you know, because of the World Cup coming on. Um, you know, and it, people don't. We've had a for the UK we've had a very hot two or three weeks in UK and, and I know Jürgen likes to um, keep on non fully training you've got to do this training you've got to do training and they may get but they may be tired and when you get tired you start feeling sorry for yourself and, and things don't happen and it hasn't happened for Liverpool no, I still think they're going to you know, be, uh, have a good season but um, no I think it's, it's going to be hard because everyone wants to beat Liverpool that's a, as well and everyone wants to beat Liverpool and we're looking at the squad rather than just the 11 now we're looking at the squad of 22, 22 and they have to perform. Can I just ask you one that, that, that struck me on the, on the drive-in? I was just looking at the BBC had, a, had a, uh, an article up talking about um, Hillsborough chance and the FA kind of clamping down on this as uh, something that, that seems to have reared in, uh, its ugly head in, in football. Look, it's not a new thing. Um, rival fans chanting about Hillsborough and uh, look, Munich and other uh, disasters and, and tragedies are often chanted about but what's your take on that as someone who was, who was there on that day and, and look the families have to listen to all this stuff but it's it's very disgusting stuff yeah you just got to stamp it out I think uh, with what's in there now I think we've got cameras everywhere now so I think cameras can spot these people and uh, I, I think it's down to the clubs as well the clubs have got to inform the supporters as well because it just has to stop nothing's going to stop yeah right because they won't do enough right what they should do if they're really serious is all, all the stewards wear cameras that like the police do, and then report them straight away. And if, if it carries on, they shut that section of the ground down. And if it carries on, they take the points off the club. Yeah. And it, that's the only way you're going to get rid of it. Unfortunately, the way society is at the moment, because you can go online and absolutely hammer somebody all the time, and there's no consequence. Everybody thinks they could say what they want now, and there's no consequence to it. So the FA need to grow a backbone, and they need to do something about it. And, and, but they're not. They're, they're going to make all the right noises. But what, how can they stop people chanting? Yeah. It's not. It's not about. Right. It's not about you and the FA saying don't do it. It's about me sat next to him if he says it, and me policing that and going, no, we're not having that. Mm-hmm. We're not having that as a. But they won't. And there'll be a lot of good people who will try and stop it. But unfortunately, the, the way society is, it's, it will carry on because they. And the other thing is, they know it hurts. And that's the other thing. They know it's, it's disgusting, and I think anybody found chanting like that or on a homophobic chant, they should be banned for life. And then that might send a proper message. What's the punishment now? You've seen when England play in Europe. Mm. What's the punishment for teams where England get racially abused? Yeah. Uh, what's oh, a fine? Play behind closed doors? No. Throw them out the competition and stop it. Otherwise, it's going to carry on. Uh, it's disgraceful. I don't know. I think one of the MPs has wrote to the FA, haven't yeah. they? I think Ian Burns wrote to the FA to try and stop it. But, you know, come on, if they're shouting, the other club should take responsibility for that and they should police their own people. Mm. It shouldn't be up to somebody upstairs to go, actually, oh, you need to do some bad. It should be the clubs going around, we're not having it, and that's it. Uh, can I just ask you, lads, uh, finally, like, uh, and look, it's, it's a, we should be talking about this in a positive light because Wales have qualified for the first World Cup since 1958 mm. and it's an incredible achievement on the pitch uh, and it's a wonderful Wales team to watch. Um, but then there's the whole issue, and we, we're having to deal with it in, in, in the media, I guess, as well, as to how we cover this Qatari World Cup. There's the sports washing, there's the human rights abuses. I saw you on your Twitter the other day, and I know, Neville, you give your, your Twitter over to different uh, you know, worthy causes at different points. Um, the LGBTQ plus community and, and how they're treated over there, and the migrant deaths. 
I could go on, but how do you how do you both feel about the, the World Cup generally? Because look, on the pitch we can't wait for the action, but there is that kind of bad taste well, you, in the mouth. You should be asking what is it? What is the criteria for going for going there? And nobody can find out what the criteria is. Yeah. So you know, people keep saying, "Well, should players go? Should should pundits go?" Well, that's not the question you should be asking. You should be asking, "Why is it there? Why did why, they get it in the first place?" Yeah. Why did Why did Russia get it? Mm. Yeah. These should never have it because mm. there's no actual criteria that I can think of. Mm. And I spoke to the lad at Liverpool, the LGBT fellow at Liverpool, and I think he tried nine hotels before they'd let two men stay in a room together. Mm. And you're thinking, all of that, <clears throat> I think it's a disgrace that they've actually put it there. As a player, you want to go on that. And as a country, we've got to go because we've got to. I suppose inspire the next generation of footballers, mm. boys or girls. Yeah, I, I think Neb's right there. I think uh, this should have been done when the draw was made for the King in Qatar, not like eight years ago or something like that. That should have been done then. It's too late now because, as it's coming up to, because everyone wants to um, see the World Cup. It's in Qatar, so we have to get on with it. But uh, no, I think especially for Wales, 1958 was the last time, and it's unfortunate that they have to go to Qatar to see him play again. So hopefully it'll be more in the Europeans um, yeah. next time if they qualify. In a word, lads, as we wrap up, how far will Wales get, do you think, in this World Cup? They've, I suppose, was England, USA, and Iran in the group? I, well, I think um, they're looking to. They, I think they're capable of getting to the second round. I think they've got the USA and Iran, the final games against England. I'm hoping that they've secured enough to four points. I think that could qualify for second place. Then you go in against England, um, you know, looking uh, you no know, full of confidence, and you don't really want to be getting to that last game against England where you need to beat them. Even though all the Wales, if you ask some people in Wales, they'd rather lose to USA and Iran and beat England and not qualify <laughs> rather than. <laughs> Rather than do I that, that. I, I know, I know, but I would like. I think we can get to the second round. What have you, you never? How far? Well, I look at the three teams and think that all of them are beatable, right? So we should get out of the group, and then it's uh, luck of the draw, isn't it? Yeah, well, there's yeah. no reason why they can't get out of the group because England aren't having a great time, which might suit them. Mm. America, USA, and after Iran, Iran might be our hardest game. Yeah, because you know because you're expected to win well yeah we expect to win everything we don't do so well when we're favourites yeah. Wales are good at being underdogs so yeah, but once, if they get through then it, it's up to them and I, I, I really expect them to get through yeah. to, the, to the second bit and then then it's a matter of luck of the draw whether your players all stay healthy because that's the other thing yeah. you know the, the weather's going to take a lot out of them and I, and I think we could be looking here at, I don't see why you can't get quarter final semi final absolutely Listen, lads, never said thought, Ian Rush, two legends. Thanks many for your time this afternoon. Enjoy the, enjoy the rest of your time in Dublin if you, if you get the pints in. Enjoy them. Cheers, thanks, Mike. Cheers, thanks. thanks OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode.